Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Hashtag Gen Z. I'm your host, Megan Grace. Welcome back. This is episode 22 of Hashtag Gen Z. This episode's guest is beyond inspiring and truly captures, articulates the power of Generation Z. And frankly, why we all need to get on Team Gen Z. As I've conducted my research on Generation Z, I tend to take a positive look at things. It might be my blind millennial optimism, but I look at this generation and I see so much potential. As we've explored motivations, concerns, social change behaviors, preferences and leadership, relationship building, career aspirations, and more, Generation Z's unique characteristics and behaviors create an interwoven tapestry that is setting them up to be major change makers and disruptors in our society. Sure, some people will say that every generation is poised this way when they reach their teen and young adult years. But I keep wondering, at what point does that energy go away? Is there a way to remove whatever stands in the way and detracts a powerful energy of a new generation? My guest this episode is one of those energetic change makers in whom I believe so strongly. Ziad Ahmed is currently a student at Yale University. He's an unapologetic American Muslim Bangladeshi student activist, entrepreneur, and speaker. In 2013, Ziad founded a teen organization, Redify, which is committed to furthering equality. Redify has grown immensely with hundreds of students internationally on the team, over 3,000 likes on Facebook and over 10,000 hits on Redify.org. Through Redify, Ziad has been recognized as a, as a 2017 global teen leader, a high school trailblazer by MTV, a top 15 young prodigy changing the world by Business Insider, a Diana Award winner, and a recipient of the Princeton Prize in Race Relations. Ziad has, done, has also done significant work in progressive politics, working for the U.S. Department of State, Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign, Martin O'Malley's 2016 campaign, and Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman in various capacities. As an entrepreneur, Ziad has co-founded Juve Consulting Incorporated, which is a Gen Z marketing consultancy. He serves as the CEO of the company, growing the company to empower Generation Z with the opportunity to communicate directly with businesses about what exactly appeals to youth. Additionally, he's given four TEDx talks, has spoken at forums such as the Council on Foreign Relations, and has written for publications such as Teen Vogue, and served on boards such as the Marketing Advisory Board for DoSomething.org. He has even been personally commended by President Barack Obama and has had the honor of being invited to the White House three times. Overwhelmingly, though, Ziad feels like he's just your average young adult grappling with identity, struggling to balance it all, pursuing his passions, and spending way too much time on Twitter. He brings so much passion to his work and shares that with those around him. And I'm excited to share his insights. I am so excited for today's episode and my, my guest today, um, Ziad Ahmed. He is just, I'm just fascinated in the incredible work that he does. He's a college student activist, speaker, and entrepreneur. And he doesn't just do all of those things. He does them so incredibly well. 
and is such a voice and, and a really just a leader in the space of empowering other Generation Z uh, to go out and do wonderful things and change our world. So welcome, Zihad. Welcome. I'm so excited to chat today. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So tell, I mean, I kind of gave a really high level of what you do, um, but I'm sure that you can provide so much more detail. So how do you spend your time? What are you doing for work? What are you studying? How do you spend your free time? What do your hobbies look like? Yeah, I mean, so I spend my time, I think, thinking about where I can best use my voice, you know, to speak up about that which I care about um, and where I can most be helpful um, to make tomorrow better and brighter because I think that we need to be doing more of that. What that looks like for me uh, is I'm the CEO and co-founder of Jude Consulting, which is what I spend most of my time doing. We're a Generation Z marketing consultancy um, where essentially clients come to us to better understand young people. And we, as young people, help them do that. Um, I'm also the founder uh, and president of, uh, of Redefy, which is a by teens, for teens, sort of just advocacy group. I'm not a chairman of the board and day-to-day operations stay within high school. Um, it's still very involved there. And then I spend time doing progressive advocacy and speaking and writing and just trying to think about um, how tomorrow can be uh, the place that we all, I think, want it to be um, and, and trying to get us closer to there. So you really started kind of your work in more of a public space with Redefy, yeah. which can you talk a little bit more about what that is and what gave you the inspiration to start something like Redefy? Yeah, so I started Redefy when I was at the end of eighth grade is when it was sort of born. Um, and it came out of this place of not only one moment of discrimination that I faced, as a lot of people assume, but really looking around my high school, my, my, my middle school rather, hallways, um, and seeing how many people were limited because of who society thought that they should be. You know, seeing how we divide ourselves and partition ourselves based on um, stereotypes, right, and, and, and how we manifest those. And seeing how so many people were being treated wrongly because people didn't know how to treat the other. And so in a rising climate of anti-Muslim bigotry, and I'm American Muslim, but also in a rising climate of misogyny and anti-Semitism and anti-Blackness and all sorts of things, as I looked around the world and the news and saw what was happening in my hallways, I said, something needs to be done. And so much of the misunderstanding that's happening isn't happening out of malice, but out of ignorance. People don't know better and don't know how to treat people who are different than them. And so I had this idea of creating Redefy because I knew it was only going to get worse in high school. And we needed a platform as young people to tell our own stories because it's so hard to hate somebody that you know. And so we launched Redefy in September 2013, the beginning of my freshman year, after I got together with four friends, created the website, social media handles, et cetera. Um, had no idea what the hell I was doing, but knew I wanted to do something and knew I had to do something. And I was uniquely positioned and privileged to do something. And so the beginning of freshman year, uh, we launched and it blew up in a way that we never expected. We got over a thousand hits on our website the very first day, which was you know, by today's terms, it isn't necessarily so significant, but at the time, as a bunch of, you know, eighth grade, ninth graders felt like we changed the world. Um, and we saw how this message of telling our own stories, of talking about identity and stereotypes really resonated in a real way. Um, and since then, all my work has really grown out of my passion um, for social justice and my passion for believing that no group of people should ever be talked about without the people present as decision makers. And I'm all about the oppressed being the experts on their own oppression and whoever is experiencing reality to be the expert on that reality. And so Redefy was a platform to champion that idea and Jib Consulting is an outgrowth uh, of that passion within me. That is incredible that the line that you said, it's so hard to hate someone you know. Mm. I think that's one going to be one of those things that I'm going to take with me for a long time. I think that your perspective as an eighth grader, I mean, you've clearly grown up and done a lot of stuff since then because uh, you're now in college. But to have that perspective as an eighth grader, 
I think just starts to really get into the sentiment of your generation. And I'm like sitting here with chills because I'm just honored to even just hang out with you all and learn no, from your no. stories. Thank you. And no, you know, get out of here. No, you stop. Um, <laughs> and it really, I think that your mindset around this is quite characteristic of of Generation Z. I'm not trying to say there's poster children out there, but I think that you are such a great example of Gen Z taking a personal experience and saying that could have been awful or I can learn from it and I can help other people. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's something so empower, like empowering and um, incredible about your generation. And I really do think that Gen Z is poised to do some incredible things. Where do you see your generation's greatest potential? I think I've got my my theories about it, but I would love from your perspective, um, where do you see your generation's greatest potential? Yeah, I mean, I see our greatest potential um, in sort of what we've already done, but also where we're going. And I think that what that comes down to is the fact that I think every generation of young people has been disruptive, right? Every generation of young people has asked questions about why are things the way that they are, and you know, embodied the sentiment that things don't have to be the way that they've been. But I think what's unique about Generation Z is the access that we have, to, the tools that we have access to. The fact that our disruption gets to be mainstream because of the power of the hashtag is tremendous, right? And I also think that the mindset that social media has ensued in our generation is also so, so powerful. When I go to the polls, and you better believe that I go to the polls, I don't just think about the people who live on my block. I'm thinking about the thousands of people that I'm connected to online. Right. And this idea of being the plurals, that's what Generation Z is dubbed. It's this idea, this idea that we're the first generation who thinks in terms of we. And so millennials fought a lot of important battles for us and, you know, champions freedom of expression and all sorts of things. And we're saying, yeah, we can be whoever we want to be, but we want to be it together. And I think the power to collectivize our disruption and to make it mainstream through social media and to claim the we unapologetically is profound. And I think it means that our capacity to change and to change make is endless and makes me excited to wake up every day, every morning. I also think, and I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, that I do research on your generation, which is kind of strange uh, when I think about it. Um, but we found something very similar in our quantitative and our qualitative work that I uh, guarantee you probably were not a part of our study, our first study and our second study, but your sentiments are so echoed in that and this idea of the we and yeah. uh, how your mindset is so far beyond just even your local community or your school, your high school, your college, that the the actions that you take have this ripple effect into something large, much larger into our society. And I think there's a lot of sustainability around that mindset as well. Um, I think that if you're constantly rooting your focus and your motivation in other people, and sometimes people you have never met or will never meet, it provides this interesting, I think, sustainable energy and I hope that that is the case for your generation. Because again, I think that there's going to be some big disruption and uh, some really exciting and positive motion around this group. So yeah. beyond access to technology and, or, you know, you've kind of talked about the tools afforded to you and your we mindset, what else do you think makes Generation Z so powerful? Because I know that you do some really interesting work in this intersectional space of uh, communication and technology and um, the way all of that weaves together to create this really interesting tapestry for today's young people. So what do you think makes Gen Z so powerful? Well, I think it does come back a lot to social media and, and this idea of we, but I think it also is a reality of our age, right? And a reality that I think we know what's at stake because we live what's at stake, right? And I think that 
when we talk about the leaders of tomorrow, I don't believe that we're the leaders of tomorrow, we're the leaders of today because what's happening right now affects us today. And we see that because of our we mindset. When something happens to someone, when a, another person in our generation, we feel like it's our fight too. And I think that power is so tremendous because we're connected, you know, and we care about each other's realities. And we're thinking about, we're thinking about, you know, sort of how we can be in solidarity with one another and et cetera in the now. And because we understand that, you know, climate change, we can't just afford to sit and twiddle our thumbs, you know, this is something that's happening to our world right now. It's going to affect our lives and our children's lives. And it's our future that we're claiming and we're not claiming it tomorrow. We're claiming it today. And our time can't be later. So often as young people were told that our time is later, no, our time is now and it must be now because what's happening to the world happens now and affects us now. And I think the power and the urgency of our reality uh, is, cannot be overstated um, and something that we're claiming each and every day. And I, and I don't think that we're going to be disruptive one day. We're being disruptive today. And we're building movements today because we have to. So but my next question, when are you running for office and when <laughs> can I vote for you? <laughs> um, I'm just sitting I don't here. Know about that. I'm really moved. And I, I just, I love your perspective on so many, your passion stems into so many different issues that are, is, that are facing our, is our society. And it is, it's incredible. And I can tell that you are not just someone that knows just a tiny bit about a lot of things. Like you go in deep and learning about that. And I think I that's, try, I try to, that's kind of characteristic of your generation. It's like the Wikipedia. You rabbit hole. Yeah. You do your homework. It's afforded to you. You've got those tools. So I, as you know, love to nerd out about Gen Z doing cool things. Yeah. So in what ways, and if you know some really cool examples of members of generation Z already wielding their power. Yeah. So I think, I think many, if not most, of Generation Z is already wielding our power and yielding our power. Um, I think that we're, you know, there are the examples that people know about and hear about from Malala to Greta to March for Our Lives and et cetera. But there are also the quiet moments of defiance. You know, last week I was giving a speech um, at, uh, to a bunch of young people, right, to a middle school and high school audience. And one of the speakers after me was a 12-year-old trans girl who stood up and gave the most beautiful speech that had chills running down my spine as she stood there defiant um, in her truth, right? And her walking her hallways as the person that she is unapologetically and claiming her truth is power and, and, and is disruptive. And I think that there are so many quiet moments of boys wearing makeup, you know, and, 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 and people doing little moments and little acts of resistance and disruption that are happening in Generation Z every single moment that I think are so beautiful and so necessary. Um, and I also think that there are big moments. I'm part of a network called the Global Teen Leader Network that picks 30, you know, young leaders around the world um, and honors us and flies us out to New York City for a week. And I mean, the work that my friends are doing is just incredible. And the people that I get to surround myself with, you know, in the spaces that I navigate as a young entrepreneur and activist. I mean, there are, from Malati, who is fighting for climate justice in Indonesia and all around the world, to Nadia, who's leading the menstrual movement, you know, through her organization, period, to all sorts of incredible, Alexia, who's leading a feminist movement in, in New Zealand, and so many wonderful friends and people who inspire me and push me to be better by living their truths and, you know, and fighting for a better tomorrow. I think there's so many generations years from all around the world who are starting ventures, who are starting clubs, who aren't starting anything, but are just being themselves and daring to be honest with themselves and others. And that is beautiful. And that is bold. And that is brave. Um, and I see us 
doing badass, bold, big things every damn day. I think that is, wow, that was such a good summary. And I'm really starting to rethink of this idea of like a lot of people will question like what they ask me, what is, what makes Generation Z so powerful? And, you know, I say, I can't put my finger on it entirely, but I can tell you that there's quite a few influences yeah. that might be contributing to it. Cause I'm not a big fan of claiming things unless I have hard evidence. And that is so hard to be like, where do they, where's their power source? You know, it's not like you have like a little battery that we put inside of you and say, go. Um, but I think the way that you've just summarized it and this idea that uh, it's almost like your culture among your peers, power comes from knowing who you are and loving who you are. Yeah. And or trying to, or or trying. Yeah. And trying, yeah, trying to. Right. It's not perfect. Yeah, no, but it kind of comes back because you know that I've I've interviewed Nadia as well. And one of the things that stuck out to me and has become like a personal mantra is like, be unapologetically yourself. And that is, it was so powerful. I share it with everyone. I give her credit. Uh, But a source of who she is, and I think she's an incredible example of a very powerful member of Gen Z, is this idea of I am who I am. I'm living the experiences that I've lived. I'm owning those experiences. I'm learning from them, but I'm also, this is who I am. And it's, it's the, I think not, you use the word defiance, but I almost think it is the confidence to stand as a young person in what traditionally like psychology would say are your most vulnerable years of not knowing who you are and standing there and being like, this is who I am today. I'm also open to growth. And I think that is incredible because I'm, you know, I'm listening to you share about all the peers that you interact with and the incredible things they're doing at such a young age. And I think it's so powerful because when I was 12, I was more concerned about if my denim jacket was cool. And you are here like saving climate change and you know moving on to this this greater bigger uh saving of society mindset and i'm so thankful for that i really really am yeah but i i also think though that we're still concerned about our denim jackets don't get us wrong right? and i think <laughs> I know, but you're always so cool in your denim that, every time that, i see people gen z they're always in denim no but i, but I think that are you familiar with what a finsta is Oh, I am so familiar and Good. I'm so scared of them. Good. But what, what we say is that, I mean, Deja, I credit Deja with this. You know, we got a question one time um, in the audience. We're giving a major presentation together to a big company. And we, we presented about what a Finsta is versus what a Rinsta is. And they said, you know, which is the real you? You know, your Finsta or your Rinsta. And she responded and she said, which is the real you, who you are at work or who you are at home? Right. And it was this really phenomenal answer to a really big question that we get to be more than one thing. You know, and we get to fluctuate and oscillate between realities and we get to be uncertain sometimes and be confused sometimes, but we get to own it all. And we are our Rinstas and our Finstas and we get to be both unapologetically and simultaneously. We don't have to apologize to anyone for it. Um, And I think recognizing that and being able to oscillate between, you know, confidence, but also vulnerability and you know, planning, but also living in the moment. And we get a lot of questions when we get presentations. Okay, you're saying, oh, you know, at Juve Consulting, we do, you know, we do a lot of presenting about Generation Z, et cetera. We get a lot of questions saying, you know, you're saying that your generation loves to be authentic, but you're also saying that your generation loves everything to be easy and convenient. And we're like, yeah, we're allowed to be juxtaposed. You know, we're allowed to want what's easy and what's good. So give us both, right? We don't think of things as mutually exclusive. Um, and I think we're tired of paradigms that ask us to choose. I don't have to choose between a student and being an actress and being an entrepreneur. I get to be all of them and I get to be all of them well, or at least try to be all of them well. 
Yeah. And I think that that's really interesting because I get that quite, I get, you know, these kind of like, pol- not polarizing, but like put this generation in a box. And it's so hard to do that. And I refuse to do it because it, they, I'm sure you get a lot of similar questions. Yeah, like, you I know, do. Couldn't you be Rinsta or Finsta? Like, you can be both. Like, there are, I get really interesting ones as well. And and now that I'm thinking about it, reflecting on it more, is this idea that, like, we're trying to describe human nature of an entire group of young people. It's so hard to say this millions, this number millions of people is going to act this way and predict that behavior when there's always going to be outliers. We know that. But then also at the same time, like the, the aspect of human nature is a preference or a motivation in one setting might change in another. Yeah, absolutely. So your behavior is going to change and it's hard to say human behavior at all times is going to fit nicely, perfectly in this box. And now I'm starting to think about that and the complex nature of your lives is is so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always say that I I don't call myself a Generation Z expert. Um, I think it would be foolish of me to say in a claim that I can speak for 2 billion people, right? I think that the biggest mistake anyone can make is to say that Generation Z is a monolith. We're not. And even in terms of access to technology, we're not, that's not equal and it's not evenly distributed, certainly not internationally, right? And so while I do think there are things that unite us, and I do think that we are asking hard questions and we are making access, we are making good use of the tools that we have access to, and I think that we are disrupting in all sorts of corners and all sorts of mediums and all sorts of ways, and there are things that unite us, we are also different in so many ways and complicated and um, multifaceted, you know, and I think that I will never claim to speak on behalf of 2 billion people, but what I will do is say that I'm damn proud to be young. I'm damn proud to champion that, and I'm damn proud to work with thousands of young people on a regular basis from all corners of the world to champion the power of our generation and the power of our voice. And the reason that our company's model is the way that it is, it's not about, oh, you have a question about Gen Z, ask me. No, you have a question about Gen Z, ask many of us in real time. And that's why we're a company, right, that represents many, many Gen Z voices that are highly diverse, right? Because we believe that the only way that you can understand us is by talking to many of us in real time. I can't speak for someone else's reality and I won't, but I can speak to how proud I am to be who I am and to be part of the cohort that I'm part of and to say that I think there's more than unites us and separates us um, and to be really, really excited about that. That's a a fantastic kind of lead into my next kind of set of questions and thinking about Uh, I always say that being a member of society is a team sport, and that is especially true to generations. Like we all exist. There's multiple different generations that exist in society, and we all try to operate, and we're operating with our uniqueness, if you will, our collective uniqueness. And I think with your work with with Juve Consulting and, you know, you're working with big companies to provide insights and they're oftentimes very likely run by people that are not of your cohort. Um, what advice would you give to older members of older generations to, to better engage and utilize the power of Gen Z? Talk to us. Simple. Yeah. Talk to us. I know. It's so interesting. We'll get, um, inquiries about, you know, how should I do this? And I, I always say like, this is what my research tells me, but like always have, I say like a collective special group of Gen Z that you like your little think tank always available and ready. Not what um, consulting is. Yeah. They're, they're readily available people. They're there to give you their insights. And then on the other end of that, cause I think I definitely saw this with my generation uh, being a millennial, that sneaky M word. <laughs> that we got a lot of criticism from older generations. And sometimes that can be really defeating. And 
I think that's the last thing I want to happen to Generation Z. So if you had advice for your Gen Z peers about working with older generations so that they can kind of own their power and own their space and be effective in the things they want to do, what would your advice be? I'm always wary of giving advice. Um, I think that giving advice is a, is a, is a weird thing um, because I think that everyone is so different and everyone's reality is so different. Um, I think all people, irrespective of generation, and I'm a big advocate of claiming spaces that weren't built for us, right? And that's what Juve Consulting is all about, right? It's coming in and saying, you know, young people right now are thought of as we exist to be at the bottom of the totem pole. Um, you know, people can't see us not coming in as their newest intern and analyst class. Um, it, 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 the model is built that young people are at the bottom. And I challenge that in a time when young people are controlling so much of public discourse and popular culture. We merit leadership. We merit decision-making power. And I think that my challenge and my advice to young people is to own that authority, that we know social media. You know, we know what's hot right now because we're living it and we, can, we, 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 we control that and influence that. I always say that the trendsetters of every generation are middle school girls. We give them a hard time, but they knew when Justin Bieber was hot before we knew he was hot, right? And we give them a hard time, but they knew TikTok was hot before we knew TikTok was hot, right? And I think that if we allow young people to claim the authority that they have by knowing what is present and what is going to impact tomorrow right now and give them decision-making power and have young people claim that power, the world looks a lot brighter than my challenge to adults in that same paradigm is to be willing to, to, to cede some power, be willing to cede some seats to young people because we need it. You know, things are not going to get better and be more creative, you know, if, if you don't cede um, some decision-making power to young people. And I think that that's what we're all about at Juke Consulting is, is creating the conditions and the platform by which um, that is possible. And I think that you hire consultants because they're not jaded by your bureaucracy. You hire us because we're not jaded by any bureaucracy. Young people are big thinkers that don't just think outside the box. There is no box, right? We are rewriting the rules um, because we don't accept what's been as what has to be. And I think that I'm all about not breaking the rules, but changing the rules. And I think that Gen Z is doing that. But in order to do that, we have to have the decision-making power to change the rules and we have to claim our power to do so, and adults have to be willing to give us that power to do so. I agree, and I, I I will work with groups, and they will say, I feel like young people today challenge my authority. I said, no, they're just asking for more clarity about why this authority exists or why this structure exists in this way, and it's not coming from a place of disrespect, but a place of probably just wanting to know yeah. more. I don't, I don't think it's about it, challenging authority. I think it's about claiming that we can have different authority, right? I think that adults and people Absolutely. already in power have their authority, and that's fine, that's great, but we also have authority, right? And we have authority over the things that we know about and our realities and our experiences, and claiming that isn't cocky, it's confident. Absolutely, and I think that you all bring, and you are you have every right to bring into every organization and environment that you all exist in the very unique vantage point that you all have as young people within this cohort. And that's something that a lot of older generations don't recognize is like you all see the world in a very different way. And that different doesn't mean bad. It just means different, but like that difference can be a breath of fresh air in spaces that have desperately needed it for a long, long time. And so I'm, Oh, that's what I always like to tell people is they're going to ask why. And it's not because they don't, necessarily believe in it, but that they just want to have an opportunity to provide a different perspective, which 
any leadership, any organizational studies expert will tell you having outside is an important component of being successful. So I am just absolutely floored by the incredible things that you've shared with us. And, you know, we kept it really high level, but I loved being able to kind of take this more societal viewpoint of how Generation Z is interacting in different spaces and having this idea of power. Um, because a lot of times people say, well, what, they're just young people. What do they know? Well, they know a lot and we need to ask them more. Um, and so I asked just one more question of yeah. you. And it's a question I ask every one of my interviewees, uh, every one of my guests, even people that are not members of Generation Z. What is your favorite thing about your Gen Z peers? My favorite thing uh, about my Gen Z peers for me is our willingness to ask hard questions. Um, it's our willingness and boldness to stand up and say no uh, and, and to resist the status quo and to disrupt it and to be willing to take the risk to disrupt the status quo, even if that means that we don't know what tomorrow looks like. I love that. I need to keep that energy that I want to do everything I can, just like give you all an, like a very empowering big hug and protect you from some of the jadedness of society to let you do good work. Because well, I believe we appreciate in it. that hug and it all reciprocated here. <laughs> Wonderful. I can't thank you enough. The odd, like you just have fired me up to want to continue to do the work that I do and make sure that I'm giving you all spaces. And really, as I always say, like speaking the good word about Generation Z. So thank you so much for being here and sharing. Um, and I can't wait to share more about what you all are doing as well. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Having the opportunity to talk with Ziad was a centering moment for me. His passion for making our world a better place transcends into everything he does and how he inter interacts with everyone he meets. He's accomplished incredible things so far in life, and I hope his energy to make change happen never wavers. Our conversation gave me new energy to continue to do the work that I do to continue to learn about Generation Z and to help build a better understanding about this generational cohort. And not just about how we can best work with this generation, but how can we across all generations do better work together. Gen Z wants to see a better and brighter society, and they can't do that alone. We need people from across all generations involved. We all have a role and we all have something to contribute. When I think of my role and what I can contribute, it's the ability to help create opportunities for Generation Z, help older generations understand how they can do the same. I believe in the power of Generation Z and hope we can recognize what good they will do for us all if we just gave them an opportunity to do so. If you loved learning from Ziad, I encourage you to follow him and his work online. He can be found on Instagram at Ziad the Activist or on his website, ziadtheactivist.com. I cannot believe we're at the end of season two. It has been such a great year learning from amazing members of Generation Z and those who impact their lives. I want to give my guests Andrew Roth, Nadia Okamoto, Dr. Josie Alquist, Avery Wager, Dr. Jim Downey, Casanora Lampley, Benjamin Lawfer, Schofield Foster, Catherine Streeter, Carly Farrell, and of course, Ziad Ahmed. A big thank you. You all have helped listeners gain so much more understanding about Generation Z. And I've loved being able to learn from you and can't thank you enough for your willingness to share your story. If you enjoyed this episode and this season, I'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. While the show is going to be on break for a little bit, your feedback still matters in a very major way because I'm already planning for season three. But if you have a topic you're interested in or member of Generation Z I need to chat with, please head over to my website, meganmgrace.com, or you can find me on social media to drop me a quick note. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you all so much for tuning in and hanging out in season two. Let's continue this conversation in season three. 
We'll chat soon. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details.